Hey guys, on today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, does this sound familiar? Sony's been hacked. Again, just how bad will the damage be? We're going to talk about that. Also, the Golden Globes have announced that they're introducing two brand new categories. One's actually pretty good and consistent with the Golden Globes. One is really stupid. Also, with the writer strike now having a tentative deal, there have been a bunch of high-profile movies and TV shows that have moved. What are those TV shows and movies, and could they move back to their original release dates? Hey, for anybody who was worried, if you live in a country other than the United States and Canada, that you weren't going to be able to see the Taylor Swift concert movie? Fear not. She's announced that that movie is going global and actors have voted to authorize a strike against video game companies. What can the repercussions be? We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet at the John Campus Show podcast. Coming from right here in our quaint little studio brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campion, and it's an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day to have you, our international friends, gather around so we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good things, not just giving you our opinions, but hopefully giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether the exact same or completely different than Ray's. Joining me in studio here today is, of course, the <laughs> aforementioned Ray Ora. Who cares? Right beside him is Jonathan Voiko. Yo, yo. And the delightful Chris Carr is I here. I care, Ray. But most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. And here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics that I just listed off. Then we're going to take questions and comments and topics from our YouTube channel members. Also, guys, don't forget, if you are checking out one of our videos here, we primarily do this as a podcast. So if you need an audio-only version because you can't always have a YouTube video on and you want to keep up to date on The John Campus Show, go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app of choice. Just search for The John Campus Show Podcast and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, with that down, let's get things started. And we're going to start off with this. Well, according to reports, Sony's been hacked again. Uh, if you remember, I think it was around 2011, uh, PlayStation accounts got hacked. And then uh, a few years ago, Sony Pictures had a big hack where a bunch of very embarrassing emails got released to the public. Well, now apparently one group is claiming that they've hacked them again. And this is coming to us from IGN. And IGN writes the following. Uh, Sony has said that it has launched an investigation after a, ran a ransomware group claimed to have breached the company's systems. Cybersecurity Connect reported that a ransomware group calling itself Ransomed.VC claimed that it had breached Sony Group and threatened to sell the stolen data. Now, this is what they said. We have successfully compromised all of Sony's systems, Ransomed.VC claimed, on both, the, on both on the clear and dark nets, as reported by Cybersecurity Connect. We won't ransom them. We will sell the data. Due to Sony not wanting to pay us, data is for sale. Now, none of the reports that are out there right now are really specifying, was this like system or Sony as a whole, like everything that falls under Sony, PlayStation, Sony Pictures, Sony, like there are home electronics, like everything. Is it one section of Sony that has been hacked? Because again, you know, one of the worrying things for me, because I'm not worried if Sony Motion Pictures gets hacked. I mean, that's unfortunate. I feel bad for them, but it doesn't concern me. But what will concern me and a lot of you guys is if it's like PlayStation user data, 
because a lot of us have like credit cards, personal information, all that kind of stuff on there. And if that, if it's your information and my information, because everybody sits back and laugh, ha ha, Sony got hacked. They're going to have their data stolen. Ha ha ha. Well, guess they stop laughing when we tell them it could be your data that's getting sold. This ransom group may have just taken your personal data, your bank account information, your personal information, and they're selling your stuff. Suddenly the laughing stops. Because you're an Xbox player. This is a little concerning. Yeah. You know, John, you brought that up earlier today when we were talking about this off camera, that yeah. that's the part that's worrying. Yeah, it dawned on me because I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't just Sony Pictures. I have an account with Sony. Uh, that's right. <laughs> this could actually have a negative effect on me. Now, listen, as of right now, like IGN and the other sites that are talking about this, nobody's verified that this is actually happening. It could be just be some group making big claims. Sony is not saying anything other than they're investigating the situation. So we don't know what's going on here. But Chris, you know, this happened again a couple of years ago yeah. with Sony Pictures. I mean, that's where we first found out that they were thinking about crossing over 21 Jump Street with Men in Black. Yep. An idea that everybody laughed at at first, but after a while I started going, you, you know, know? <laughs> it could, could, could be kind of cool. I don't know. But this could reach out to personal information. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When you hear about this, what are the issues that stand out most to you? Well, uh, that personal user data. Last time this happened to Sony, they had to go before Congress to explain themselves. Yeah. And then they also started giving away free games and money left and right to try and make up for what happened. <laughs> so if you've got Sony stuck, this Which might be- a good a way to get me to say, I forgive you. Yes. Just to be yeah. honest. I love free things. <laughs> My love language, <laughs> love free, free stuff. That's mine. So- Obviously, this is really scary if you have that PlayStation Play kind of account or anything like that. Your data could be out there. But I, I got to say, I always love reading the demands of a hacker because I can only hear it in the distorted voice, thinking of them in their little hoodie, right? Of like, data is for sale now. It's ridiculous. You will give us $2 million in yeah. Bitcoin. Where <laughs> this is not a ransom. It's a sale. Everything must go. I, I, they sound ridiculous. It's like that but... unsolved mysteries, like garbled. Yeah, yeah disguise. it very much has yes, that. And then, uh... <laughs> he came into my room and <laughs> but or Ray, when they uh, revealed the magic tricks on Fox. I remember like before we, we started the show day, like Ray's putting some thumbnails together. It's like, why is it every time I look, I search the term hacker in images, it's always some white dude in a black hoodie or a, a the no most menacing guy. thing of all. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a, um, remember, remember v for Vendetta. Yeah. yeah v for Vendetta. Vendetta. Yeah. You know, guy, um, guy, guy, Falk, Fox, the guy Fox uh, mask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think this is an opportune uh, time for me to uh, all of a sudden download NBA 2K24 on your PlayStation. Because <laughs> I got all it the access to it. must have been the hack, John. Yeah. Oh, my me. God. I didn't do it. Oh, my God. How is there NBA 2K on everyone's PlayStation <laughs> in here all of a sudden, Jonathan? Pure access for Ray all the time. <laughs> anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Do you think we could be getting a treasure trove of inside Sony potential movies that never happened leaks? Could it be something more sinister, like your personal data getting sold off? How responsible is Sony for somebody breaking into their system? Whatever you guys think, jump on down in the comments and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's move on to this, shall we? The Golden Globe Awards have announced that they are introducing two brand new categories to their already useless, useless awards. Uh, now, look, I, I, I've been traditionally very hard on the Golden Globes. I don't think their awards are worth the, the paper that the winners' names are printed on. They're completely useless awards because they're run by the Hollywood Foreign Press, which is a completely useless organization. 
That being said, they put on great award shows. Their awards are meaningless, but they put on much better shows than the Oscars do. Even the Oscars have way more meaning. Well, they've had a bunch of controversy here and there. Obviously, we won't go, go over all of it. They've had a lot of controversy. They were just recently bought, I believe, by Dick Clark Productions. Yep. I think that's who bought the Golden Globes and the Hollywood Foreign Press. So it's now under new management, and maybe they'll be able to make it something into something more relevant than what it was before. Well, they've introduced two categories. One of them's pretty good, and one of them is really stupid. <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys determine which one I think is which. This comes to us from Variety. The Golden Globes Awards will introduce two new categories to its upcoming January broadcast. Variety has learned exclusively. The categories will honor hit movies with global reach in either box office or streaming views. This is their version of Best Blockbuster Award. As well as an acknowledgement of the best performance in a stand-up comedy special. Now, obviously... Their best blockbuster movie is the most idiotic thing in the world. The Oscars almost did something like this. Thank God cooler heads prevailed and they didn't do something so stupid. I'm going to talk for a second in a minute about the stand-up comedy special because I actually like this edition. I, I do. But let's focus on this idiotic best global reach at the box office movie. Anyway, Variety says this. Titles must have grossed. Here's their definition of blockbuster. $150 million during release, and $100 million of which must have come from domestic box office. Streaming films with, uh, uh, I always stumble over this word, commensurate yeah. viewership will be considered based on data from recognized industry sources, the Globe said. Eight films will be eligible for that prize and can also compete for categories like best motion picture, drama, or comedy as long as they meet criteria for those. Okay, so you got to be a blockbuster. Blockbuster, really? Blockbuster, you need to make $100 million at the domestic box office. And that's our category, Blockbuster. I just want to bring this up. By that category alone, forget the streaming movies. Well, there's already been 20 films. We're only in September. There have already been 20 films that have made $100 million domestically. Scream 6 qualifies for best Blockbuster. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, How Mutant Mayhem. You. How dare you? But, but I mean, come on. I love the movie, right? You know I do. I know, it is yeah. not a blockbuster. It does not deserve to be up there with movies like Barbie that has made like $1.4 billion when you're talking about block. So this, even this whole term, what you're really saying is this isn't a best, you know, success at the box office. It's like best movies that didn't totally flop at the box office. That's really what this award could be called. But I mean, even with The Flash, that wouldn't be really true. You know? I mean, that's the problem is that you, you've got something like The Flash here, which is a flop, and then you've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that maybe broke even, so yet they still qualify. I know. It's really weird how they're defining this. I think it's utterly stupid. I thought it was stupid when the Oscars were going to do it. Look, you're either giving out awards based on merit or you're not. What's the best movie? Not what's the best movie that came out on a Wednesday whose assistant director had the last name Smith and was made for $20 million. Like it just becomes a participation <laughs> award. Yeah. Either these awards are supposed to be based on merit or not. And I don't, there's nothing about the, the, the amount of box office that most movies make are not a reflection of the quality of the movie. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. There've been several transformers movies that have made over a billion dollars. All right. I, I, I rest my case. So I think that's absolutely. Yeah. But let's focus on the positive for a second. 
I actually like, and how often do you hear me say I like something that the Golden Globes are doing? Not often. Considering that the Globes give out awards for movies and television, the whole thing on TV of the stand-up special, comedy special, has been a rapidly growing thing the last number of years. And quite frankly, some of the best stuff that's on Netflix and, and things like that, I mean... My God, that Joe Coy in Hawaii comedy special was hilarious. And who's the girl? Allie Wong. Oh my God, her latest special just about made me piss myself. It's She's so funny. Hilarious. But I mean, I I don't usually like the idea of putting in qual categories where there's very, very small number of potential, even potential nominees. This is a growing field. It's kind of a subgenre of to itself in on-screen entertainment. And uh, listen, I got to give credit where credit's due. I kind of like this idea of doing best stand-up comedy special. Anyway, Chris, here are a couple of announcements coming out of Golden Globes. Both good, both bad, one good, one bad. What do you think about the announcement? One's good. I think the <laughs> AV Club set at this best with their headline for this of the Golden Globes makes a play for relevance. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's what this is. Now, the stand-up comedian one totally makes sense because comedians go hand-in-hand hand with the Golden Globes, whether they're hosts or just very present there. And to your point, too, comedy specials have had this huge boom in the last few years just because yeah. of the accessibility of them. And the simplicity to produce them. Exactly. And, you know, you've got things, too, that really are innovative. Like Bo Burnham's Inside was one of the most interesting things I've ever seen mm. that was simultaneously hilarious, weird, and heartbreaking and the exact kind of thing that encapsulated what the pandemic felt like. Um, you've got, you know, Baby J, you've got Ali Wong stuff, you've got all kinds of really cool specials out there. So that one I can see, and I understand the the merit in that process. The blockbuster one. Yeah. Hearing that makes me feel like Martin Scorsese of just cinema is dying. <laughs> cinema is dying and we must save it. Because uh, it, it really is. It's grasping at straws and trying to get an audience to come hang out with you because there's a popularity contest involved. Yeah. And this has also always kind of been part of the problems with the Golden Globes is that it doesn't feel as prestigious. It feels more gimmicky. It feels less like a, a deserved win. And while it can forecast other, you know, things to come like the Oscars, it really does feel like the prelims kind of at a speech and debate tournament Yeah. before you go to the big show. Well, let's see if Dick Clark Productions can do something with it to make it relevant. Yeah. I mean, obviously they, this is going to be their first show that they do under new management. We got to give them a couple of years to see what they can transform it into. Uh, getting Tina Fey and Amy Poehler back to host sometime would oh, be- They were so uh, good. They were so good as hosting together. Anyway, whatever you guys think about this whole thing, maybe you like the idea of, oh, your movie made money. Here's an award. It seems idiotic to me, but maybe some of you guys can see merit in it that I haven't found yet. Whatever you guys think, let us know. All right. With that down, guys, let's talk about this, shall we? You know, the strikes have caused a lot of delays in a lot of movies and TV shows. But is there any hope? We just found out that the Writers Guild has now settled their strike. It still has to be ratified by their membership, but they've come to a deal with the studios. And maybe with these strikes getting settled, is there a possibility that some of these high-profile projects that have been delayed and pushed could some of them actually get back to their original release dates now? That is the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you got a question or topic for our show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. We take one or two every day and answer them as best as we can. And today's specifically about, can those delayed movies come back? Check it out. Hi, it's Jonah from Nashville. 
with the WGA strike now seeming to come to an end, do you think if the SAG strike also ends soon that we could see some shows and movies that have had their release date pushed come back to their original release date? I'm specifically thinking of Dune because I'm really wanting to see that one soon. Do you think it could move back up to November if we see SAG's strike in soon? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, Jonah, thanks a lot for calling that in. And listen, when we hear that a strike agreement has come together, it's it's incredibly joyous news. I know I was still kind of grumpy about the whole thing. It's like, oh, really? You sat down in a room for five days straight and you were able to come to a deal? Who would have thought? Anyway, um, it's still hopefully a harbinger of good things to come. And could one of those things be dates coming back? For example, he brings up Dune, right? Dune, which was incredible the first one and we've all been really excited for the second one and it was supposed to come out when was it november 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 was supposed to come out and then they moved it uh, sometime into early 2024 so it moved like three or four months i believe so means we got (laughs) to wait longer but now the strikes maybe are about to be over the writers one has been settled in theory in principle and now hopefully the the actors one will get be able to get a template from that deal and maybe make a deal of their own here's the problem though I don't think it means any of these things are going to move their dates again. Uh, And a number of things, very high-profile things, have been delayed. Check this out. The new thing of True Detective was bumped to 2024. Uh, Hacks doesn't even have a new release date. Loot's been moved. Challengers, Craven the Hunter's been moved. Yellowstone has been had its finale kind of uh, pushed back. The aforementioned Dune Part 2 moved out to March of 2024. Echo was originally supposed to come out in November. It's not going to come out until January now. Ghostbusters 2 Afterlife, Dirty Dancing, the sequel. I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, which I'm kind of interested in. The Captain America Brave New World got pushed. Uh, The Karate Kid, the new Karate Kid. Thunderbolts got pushed. Blade, of course. Well, who knows if that movie's even going to get made. Uh, Deadpool 3, Avatar 3, Fantastic Four, Kang Dynasty, an untitled Star Wars film. Not that that's ever going to happen either. Uh, Secret Wars, Avatar 4 and 5 also got pushed, all the kind of stuff. It's just, and there's more. (laughs) That's just some of the things that high profile things have been bumped. Here's the problem though. They're not going to move back. They're not going to move back. One of the reasons why studios are hesitant to move their release dates is because it actually costs real money Mm. because you have made arrangements. You have done all the logistics you've coordinated with your distribution arms. You've coordinated with your exhibitors. You've bought marketing ad space and time that is often paid well in advance. You've done all this kind of stuff and you've mounted a kind of a marketing campaign for a certain date. And when you got to move that, That is not an inexpensive nor an uncomplicated matter to address. It is a huge headache and pain in the ass, and it actually costs money. So you take something like Dune, which was supposed to come out in November. Well, they've already kind of gone through this whole process of abandoning the date, letting the world know they've changed date. They've already got their plans that they've booked, planted their flag into another thing again. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, that has caused other people to react to the certain dates being available now and whatnot. So even if uh, actor strike got settled tomorrow, which, you know, for all we know, it could take another month for the actor strike to get settled. Maybe in the next <laughs> week or two, maybe another month or two. Who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, sorry, Chris. <laughs> Let's stick with the next couple of days. The next yeah, couple of days. Bag. Yeah. So, but I don't think you're going to see them move back. Once the, the trigger gets pulled, 
it just doubles the aggravation cost and headache to try to move it back into that space again. So I think they got their new target. They're going to have a lot of things they need to get caught up on. Productions are now months behind schedule. So they're going to have their plates full. I think they moved them knowing very well that it's just going to have to be moved. So unfortunately, I hate being the wet blanket, but no, I don't think we're going to see any of those dates move back. Chris, you know, you saw this, first of all, Hip Hip Hooray, yeah. Writers Guild deal got made. I celebrated too hard on Sunday. <laughs> now celebrated we just need real hard. your actors to be able to get a deal yeah. too. Um, a lot of big high profile things have been pushed. Do you think a rapid resolution to now the actor strike as well and having both strikes done out of the way, could that lead to other, to some of these big projects that have moved their release dates to come back to their original ones? What do you think? I don't think so because that's so much shuffling. I think that they're going to just continue having a full marketing campaign now that they can actually get up and do that. Um, it's just too much wiggle room. And I think it'll muddy the waters and get people confused about th when things are released. Yeah. Wait, is that back in November? Oh, it's coming out right. this month? Oh, it's doing this now? now? I think you just let it run its course. They, yeah, and also, you know, they did this primarily so that the actors could promote the film. Exactly. So yes. that means that all of these interviews around the world are starting to get booked, you know, in anticipation yeah. of this happening and, and everyone press. trying to do it. Yeah. yeah. So everyone now is fighting for those late night spots. Everyone's going to be doing that once all the strikes come to And more an importantly, in, in an overall look, these marketing campaigns are very meticulously strategized and planned. Yes. It's not just that they go, oh, let's send out the actors to do the talk shows. It they strategize, okay, at nine weeks out, we start doing this. And then we do this, and then we do this, and we do this, and then we send out the talent to do the late night talk shows. We're laying the foundation. And all that kind of stuff has got to happen first. And like you said, Chris, they need to mount their full, proper yeah. campaign. And right now, it's probably too late to do yeah. that for some look of this at, stuff. Look at Barbie as kind of your litmus test, right? Yeah. That, first of all, because it's so iconic, had so many product tie-ins, right? That had to be so, timed with the release of exactly. the Exactly. So these kinds of things too, there, I'm sure there were other deals. I mean, maybe not like Dune Soap at Bath and Body Works, <laughs> but there were, there's probably other things. The spice must flow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Do all that. Guys, with that down, we're going to take just a second here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. My absolute most comfortable shoes I've ever worn are friends at Vessi and of course my mobile service provider and they should be yours. Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Vessi. Now, like me, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard of Vessi, the shoe that claims to be incredibly comfortable and waterproof on top of that. Well, these claims are really interesting to me because as a Canadian who walked around in a lot of snow and as somebody who likes to go camping and hiking with his wife on the weekends, there's nothing more uncomfortable and horrible than walking around in wet feet. So after receiving my first pair of Vessis and noticing how incredibly good looking the shoes are and how mind boggling comfortable and flexible they are, the first thing I did was I took them into the backyard to put it to the supreme waterproof test and dipped my feet in my pool. Guys, my feet were bone dry. And like 20 seconds after having them in the pool and I touched them, the shoes themselves were also bone dry. Guys, seriously, these shoes are stupidly comfortable. They look great and they absolutely lived up to the claim of being waterproof and keeping my feet dry. I absolutely love my Vessi shoes. So guys, if you want shoes that are good looking, are ridiculously comfortable and on top of all that waterproof, you need to head to Vessi.com slash Campia and get yourselves a pair today. Go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get shoes for your best summer yet. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, 
Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone. But now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills. Like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just $15 a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you again to our fine folks over at vessi and of course mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show podcast all right with that down guys let's move on to this taylor swift's eras tour concert movie is now going worldwide theatrically you guys remember when they first made the announcement, the Eras Tour coming out on October 13th in theaters near you. They dropped the announcement and tickets went on sale the same day they announced it. And it crashed some ticketing websites. The It's going to be one of the biggest opening weekends of the year for this little concert movie that came out. However, it was going to be limited to the North American box office. Well, Swifties around the world rejoice because according to the queen of the Swifties herself, The film is now going global. She put this out on social media. This comes to us from Coming Soon, quoting the uh, Instagram post of Taylor Swift saying, the tour isn't the only thing we're taking worldwide. Maybe she's taking Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey with her. Anyway, the anti-hero hit maker wrote wrote on Instagram, been so excited to tell you all that the Eras Tour concert film is now officially coming to theaters worldwide on October 13th. It's going everywhere. Because as she was sitting in the press box at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium watching her man, Travis Kelsey, playing on the field, she thought to herself, you know what's cooler than making $500 million at the box office? Making a billion at the box office? Not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm suggesting that uh, the Eras Tour is going to make a billion dollars at the box office. I don't think it will. But it's going to make a lot of money. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I thought, like, first of all, when they announced it, when they first announced it, and I'm no Swifty, but when they first announced this, I thought, this is a brilliant idea, but why are they not doing it worldwide? Like, why just North America? She has an incredibly strong worldwide fan base. And I got to imagine this thing is going to make her money and the companies associated with it a lot of money all over the world, not just here. So it kind of makes sense. I started thinking they would wait to see how it does in North America. And they say, good news, on December 4th, we're going to release it worldwide. But they're moving quick. I mean, with those pre-sale tickets, it kind of pays for itself. So even if- Yeah, it already did just with the pre-sales. If you want to theoretically say, oh, well, domestic 100 million, worldwide 100 million, that's double. But it could be 200 million. No, it could could be monstrous. For something that really didn't cost them a lot to put together. I just mean at bare minimums, you're making a lot. Yeah. So- I mean, they. I mean, what they can do here, and listen, she's never been hotter, right? Uh, the they just had the VMAs, the Video Music Awards, where she like swept up everything again, Damn. and now she's on the front line of even all the sports outlets because 
She's dating Travis Kelsey. So now that's the front line. You, you can't, even if you just go to ESPN, you can't get away from Taylor Swift's face. Our worlds collided. Because they on, really did. <laughs> I don't, I know nothing of sports ball, as you know. And then I was like, oh, she's dating a footballer. Okay. And Twitter, yeah. or X, whatever the hell it's called now, the NFL was being so wholesome and putting up so much Taylor Swift content and actually changed to NFL Taylor's version. So they had all these cute little pictures They renamed of her. the NFL's yeah. Twitter account to Taylor's version? It was the Taylor's NFL Taylor's version? version for like a day. It was Listen, great. That's actually so smart. Oh, yeah. Their social media person's a genius. That was such a good move. Because <laughs> I was watching some of the, the Chiefs game, and like every time Travis Kelsey caught the ball, you knew the shot was going to come up of yeah. Taylor in the box going, ah. Like like I watched part of it. Went, oh, Taylor. Yeah, I mean they got me. Did you and did you hear the rumor going around? So they said they were talking to the security people who work security at the thing. They said they they've not had this level of security since the president of the United States visited the stadium. Yeah. The word is there were people who knew she was going to be there, so people would go into the game and wait by the access points for people to go up to the private boxes, and no one ever saw her. Word is they actually hit her in this giant popcorn crate that they rolled down the thing and they got a thing and then she snuck out there. That's Man. that's the rumor at any rate. I honestly believe that. Her documentary, there's a incredibly upsetting moment where it's just her trying to leave her house and it's people screaming outside of it. Oh. And so it's just- she, she she's, she's just walking around in the popcorn machine. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be the move now. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, good, good for them. Again- it's just increasing her profile. She's now dating one of the hottest athletes in the world who's got the number one podcast in the world and all that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, I mean, the whole world is her oyster right now. Anyway, Chris, you heard about this, that they've they now made official. The Eras Tour concert movie is going to be worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think they should have waited for it to build some popularity in North American audiences first and then gone worldwide? Do you think it's good to put it out day and date? What do you think? Just do it. Yeah. Just go. Just go for it. I bought my ticket so immediately. <laughs> Bought my tickets so fast. My friend Tiffany are going to sing our faces off and annoy that theater. Um, Yeah, I think she's capitalizing on the momentum she has right now. And you want to strike while the iron's hot. Uh, To to that point, uh, I guess apparently, and this should go without saying, but theaters have removed their policies of like being quiet and this and that because they know people are going to be dancing. uh, So like, we're not even going to try. Just keep your phones put away. That's that's the only thing I can't record it. I want. I, I remember going into a screening of Greatest Showman, and actually, we had some video of it in our documentary too. Like Greatest Showman would play, and like the entire audience in the theaters would be yes. up on their feet singing, dancing. You know, that's going to happen at the Taylor Swift, and I hope they do. I hope they yeah. go and have a good. Say, we've got fun three time. rows of that theater, so come at us. Well, I, I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, wow. We did this thing two days after tickets went Show on sale, mm-hmm. where we brought up on screen us going to the AMC ticketing website and looking at all the screenings, and they were all sold out, mm-hmm. all of them. So this is going to make them and, and the movie theaters and it's not so not necessarily yeah. they'll dress up like taylor but i think it's going to be a lot like barbenheimer you don't where, think there's gonna be a lot no, no, of people dressed up I'm like saying, taylor? people are going to be dressed up yeah you know what i mean yeah. so yeah so, and like taylor outfits. or just dressed up mm-hmm. yeah all right guys with that down let's move on to this shall we the Screen Actors Guild has voted with their membership to authorize striking against the video game industry if the negotiating committee decides to call for a strike. Now, as in the other strikes, what this basically means is that the SAG union, the union of the actors, is negotiating with the video game industry, but they don't actually have the authority to do anything until the membership vote to authorize the leadership to call for a strike. So now the groundwork is set. A strike has not been called. 
What it is is that the membership has told the leadership, you are hereby authorized to call a strike if you want. If you don't believe we can get these negotiations done and we can't get them what we need and what we want, you guys, we empower you to call for a strike and we'll go on strike. And that's a, that's a huge thing. This comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter who says this. SAG-AFTRA may soon have another strike on its hands. On Monday, union members voted 98.32% in favor of strike authorization against the video game industry with 34,687 members casting ballots and representing a percentage of 27.47% of the eligible voters. Now, I want to go down to what uh, SAG had to say about it. It's time for the video game companies to stop playing games. Huh? Get it? Play on words there. Uh, and get serious about reaching an agreement on this contract, said SAG after President Fran Drescher. The result of this vote shows our membership understands the existential nature of these negotiations and that the time is now for these companies which are making billions of dollars and paying their CEOs lavishly to give our performers an agreement that keeps... Um, performing in video games as a viable career. And again, that comes from the SAG leadership. Listen, I, uh, I'm i currently playing Baldur's Gate 3. And one of the things that makes that game so incredible and immersive is just wonderful voice acting. In it. Like, but probably, I'd say on, I'm not saying the story's as good as Last of Us, but the voice acting in it's on the same level as Last of Us. It's really immersive. It's really, really great. Now, of course, there's a million issues and items and things that go into making it great. Uh, but the voices are definitely one of them. And it's something that I think a lot of people overlook when playing a game is that there are actual voice performers going in there to perform and try to bring these characters, be they NPCs or otherwise, to a more vivid state of life, if you will. Uh, we actually have somebody in this office right now who is quite versed in doing that. Ray, you've done voices on like what, 20 games? So many games. So many games. It's uh, all moaning, though. <laughs> I have no idea why. Um, <laughs> the Leisure Suit Larry games, voiced ooh, by Ray Ora. Ooh. No, Chris, I mean, you are, number one, member of SAG. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been a committee member on SAG. You are absolutely somebody who's really vested in this particular issue because yes. you've done a lot of video game voicing work. What can you tell us? First of all, what do you think it says that the union voted so overwhelmingly to authorize a strike? And what can you tell us are some of the key things that actors and voice actors are really looking to get out of a new deal with the video game industry? Sure. I mean, first thing, let's call a spade a spade. I'm no Aaron Cummings. So TV theatrical, I wasn't hit too hard by not being able to be on TV shows because I'm not on many of them to begin with. Right. But video games are part of my bread and butter. I do a lot of commercials, e-commerce and learning and video games. That's the majority of how I make my living as a SAG actor. So this is one that I have been particularly invested in and been sitting on a lot of our conference calls and everything on Zoom about too. So the big takeaways here are about 98% of our members voted in favor of this. And the reasoning for this same kind of situation is TV and film. It's, we haven't been compensated with inflation in mind. We are not being compensated in a way that is reflective of this billion dollar industry, especially when other people are making more money. AI is huge for video games because yeah, probably even more so than it is so for the, so. the television and movie side. You know, we, we get scanned our faces, our movements, all of that. So much of our performance gets digitized. So it is easy to have us train AI to be stolen from, to do all these things. So the big kind of key things here are consent and compensation. So we should 
be able to control our own likeness and when and when it isn't and used. Voice. And yeah. our voices. I mean, it's terrifying. The, a lot of these game um, voice actors go do the con circuit, right? Because we don't make residuals. And so you get paid once for your actual day of performance. And then the game goes on to make a whole bunch of money. Um, many people think we make thousands of dollars. <laughs> I had a commercial recently re-upped and everyone was like, oh, you don't have to work for the rest of the year. And I was like, no, that's not how this works. Games are very, very similar where you can make on a good AAA game about $950 for your day of work. That's a full 12 hour day should they choose to make it. Or now there's ultra low budgets where you make about 400 and some odd dollars. Um, and that could be it. That could be all you make from a Baldur's Gate 3 kind of situation. So it's great pay, but very limited in what it can do. Um, we also have issues with just um, those cons when people go there, they show everyone how they can like digitally alter their voices on apps right now, right? There's a thing going around on TikTok of a couple actors being like, hey, play that for me. That's my voice. That's not me doing it. That's a robot doing it. So that's a big issue. Um, the other kind of takeaways here too are this particular branch of SAG has go gone on strike before. Um, back in 2016, we've struck against video game companies. That strike lasted for about 183 days. Wow. And I know we talked a lot about the TV and film one. Why weren't they coming to the table earlier? Why didn't these negotiations start so much sooner than when these deadlines were up? Our contract actually expired about a year ago. And we have been in negotiations and talks since then, um, trying to just figure out how to make this contract work. Right. And we have not come to any kind of conclusion or compromise that works for the industry because it really is this AI situation of, no, it's totally and completely reasonable that we can use your likeness when we want to and use your movements and use your voice. You don't need to own those things, which is very, very terrifying. If you want to license those things off, that's great. Do that. But when people do it without your consent, it's really scary, especially when that's really all you've got as a performer. Oh, it's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's literally stealing yeah. your voice. It's identity theft. And <laughs> they're sea like, If you're somebody who does stuff like what Sam Witwer does, where they actually even use your likeness in the games yep. like that, they're literally stealing your likeness and stealing your voice and stealing your performances. Like, it's one thing to say, we want to pay you for the work you do. Well, that's great and everything, but you're not. We're doing one day of work and then you're putting our voice and images to work many, 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 many other days without compensate and that's got to stop. I mean that's that stuff that's got to be taken out of the industry. Yeah. You guys need protections terrifying. from that. Exactly. And then some of the other things on there too are just basic workers rights. We don't have breaks included in a lot of our contracts. Yeah, so that's ridiculous. It's insane, especially for all of our, you know, mocap mo actors, all of those performers who are doing very physical work, stunt work often sometimes too. You know, that is something where you absolutely need to rest. And then vocally you need to do when you're doing creature work or things like that, you can do some serious damage to your voice if people just keep running you and don't let you take a break. But so, see, those this things. is another one of those things. Like when we were talking during the actor strike, I'd be like, so many things that the actors are asking for are things that would actually be good for the studio. So yeah. what, what's the problem here? Like I'm thinking if I need somebody to work in a mocap thing or whatever, by the time we get into hour seven, eight, nine, or 10, I know that that person will be able to put in a better performance and a better effort if two hours ago they had a break yeah. to, to rest a little bit, have something to eat, you know, 
you kick kick back just for a little bit, come back. I know their performance level is going to be able to be better and once you get into hour seven, eight, nine, and ten, mm-hmm. rather than you're going to have some diminishing returns otherwise. I mean, it just seems to make sense that this would be good for the video games yeah. to make sure that gets worked in. A lot of it's just common sense things that I don't understand how they're not written there. Because a lot of times, too, in my experience, I've had really great directors who do a check-in of, hey, you doing good? You need to take a break? You need to sit down for a minute? You need to go do this? It floors me that so many people, that has not been their experience. And I've had a lot of students, too, who didn't know that they could advocate for themselves. Because, again, we're told, well, you get this job. Shouldn't you just be grateful that you're here? And I've had some students who really get themselves hurt because of what they're pushed to do. All right, guys. So the actors union have authorized a strike. They have not gone on strike. Hopefully a deal can get made where, you know, protections are going to be put in place and the voice actors get what they need out of this. Anyway, whatever you guys think, why don't you let us know your thoughts on this? All right, guys, with all that stuff now down and out of the way, we're going to move on and start taking some topics and questions from our beloved YouTube channel members. If you're listening to this podcast, we also have a YouTube channel. And on that channel, we have a great group of supporters, our core supporters, known as our YouTube channel members. And we do things like put up ad-free versions of the show. Uh, We take questions from them every day. We have town hall meetings with them once in a while. And you might want to consider becoming one of our channel members too and supporting what we do here. So let's get on over and start taking those questions from them, shall we? Chris, what do we got? From Dr. Stinky. Hey, John and crew, just finished Peaky Blinders season one, and the finale was great. The season as a whole was not great, but good. I hope it found its footing as I go to watch season two. Anyway, love y'all. Bring on the filthy. Peaky Blinders became kind of like the new version of The Wire. I remember when The Wire came out. I didn't watch it when it first came out. And I know not a whole ton of people were watching it, but the people who were watching it were like, this is the greatest television show of all time. And there's still a lot of very serious TV files who believe that The Wire is like the greatest show of all time. I think it's fantastic. I don't think it's the best, but I think it's fantastic. Peaky Blinders is kind of like that too. Not a ton of people watch it, but the people who do watch it seem to be passionately in love with it. Yeah. And listen, I love a number of the people in it. I love the whole era that it's shot in, but I got to admit it was a show I got about four episodes into and then I tapped out. It just, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not crap talking the show. I'm just saying it just wasn't for me. So I kind of topped out of it. But a lot of people love it. Have you been watching? Have you watched Peaky Blinders? No, my husband's really into it. He loves it. Oh, he likes it. Yeah. yeah has, Anything with like, like Logan Irish despair, Logan's going to watch. Irish despair. Is he all caught up on it? I have no idea. Okay. And you, one you, ones you guys like watch now. it? No, I, a lot like you, I, I started it. And then I just, I did I wasn't disliking it. I just got distracted by other bells and whistles and stepped away, but I definitely want to get back to it eventually, so. All right, what's next? From The Movie Dimension, Expendables 4 losing to The Nun 2 in its third week for the weekend box office <laughs> looked like the beating the Cowboys took from the Cardinals. <laughs> no, wait, watching the Cowboys lose is always enjoyable. Watching the Cowboys lose is always very enjoyable. Uh, but I got to admit, this season... I don't think they're going to be doing a lot of losing, unfortunately. They, they actually look pretty good this year. But that, that being said, um, yeah, look, I, I don't know what else to say. I know for weeks, whenever I would mention, I'm looking forward to seeing Expendables 4, it would always be followed by the sound you guys would hear in the background of Ray going, because <laughs> he like always knew, he just knew <laughs> that what I did not know or what I refused to acknowledge or believe that Expendables 4 is truly probably going to be the worst film of the year. Uh, and for me, it is the worst film of the year right now. Oh, wow. it's, it's the absolute worst film of the year. Um, and I wanted to like it. I like the other films. I love all the people in it. I just, man, that was a bad movie. And uh, P. 
Apparently nobody was interested because it made $8 million on its opening weekend. $8 million on its opening weekend. And uh, not good. Not good, my friends. I'm no, I'm no expert, but I'm going to pronounce it. That's not good. I think they probably all feel the same about that. All right. What's next? For Matt. Hey, John, will you be doing a Saw X in the... Uh, and the creator. And the creator doubleheader this weekend? I know Chris will be. Oh, <laughs> Matt. No. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to watch Saw X. I'm not the, the biggest fan of the franchise, but I'll tell you what. That little damn AMC spoofs advertising spot they did kind of won me over. Like it made me interested. Now I've already got my tickets for the creator. So I'm, so we're seeing that Thursday night, right? Thursday night. Yep. We're seeing that 28. Uh, very, very excited about that. Um, I'll probably try to get in and watch saw X at some point too, mm -mm. but, uh, right. You don't, I look, don't do, I, I don't, don't do think it looks torture, that good. I just don't do the torture stuff too well. It, oh, okay. It makes that makes sense. A little, yeah. Queasy. And I just don't think it actually looks all that great. But I mean, again, I that know. AMC spot was awesome. I, I differ from you. I actually think the story is is cool, which it's almost like the, okay, everyone knows the situation. When you're driving and you see someone speeding, like, like, like recklessly, yeah. and boom, pass you, you're like, where's the cops? When and, but then like, you know, like they're never there. You know, you always want that thing to happen where it's like, Man, I wish there was a cop there. You just want karma. Just for, you know what I mean? Just to see a person who's doing something reckless, like, actually get told, you know. Now, what like, does this have to do with Sox? Because that guy, <laughs> that guy was done wrong in the trailer. Oh, yes. They they told him they, they took out his tumor. That poor mass and murderer they lied, and done they, wrong. They, they're just waiting for him to die. Yeah. Or like, they're like, they're getting paid. They're obviously high-level surgeons. They're getting paid. They lie to old man. Get yours, buddy. That's the only part that I'm with. I'm like, they they left you for dead. I, I will admit, I I do have a soft spot in my heart for righteous revenge movies. Like, what's that one last house on the left about uh, oh, the right, girl right, right. that got assaulted and left for dead, and then she comes back and like kills everybody. Yeah, anything like that. Where I love righteous it's... revenge movies. I like but, those. But the torture part is just it's just hard for you. Yeah. All right, what's next? From Fett's hand. Who's excited about Gen V this Friday? This guy. This guy. I love the boys and everything that has to do with the world of the boys. And I think the marketing has looked sharp. Uh, again, taking us back. And, and I like that they're having just a, because it is the world of the boys. And the seven is supposed to be the biggest thing in their world. So to have this university and to have a few familiar faces from the series pop up in it as well without making it Homelander series, without making it the Deeps series, without making it you know, uh, the boys' series, make it their own series, but bring in a few familiar faces to really ground it in that world. I am very excited. Are you planning on watching this, Chris? Because you I'm watch the boys. very excited, yeah. I love the boys. It's one of those few comic book adaptations that's better than the original source material, in my opinion. It is, yeah. So I'm really, really pumped. I totally forgot it was coming out, though, because no one's promoting things. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, he had no actors out there promoting things. Although, yeah. uh, a little, I don't know even know if I'm supposed to say this, but I will anyway. Oh my God. Both Aaron and Tom got so close to getting big roles in this show. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, I mean, we couldn't talk about it while it was all going on at, at, at the time. This is actually going back when they were casting Gen V, but our own Aaron Cummings and uh, her uh, wonderful husband, Tom Gate, they got, they got close to getting big roles on yeah. that. Well, because Aaron was in the running for, for the boys. For, well, she was in the running for Maeve. Maeve, yeah. She was almost Maeve. 
How crazy is that? Oh, she would have crushed it. She would have been great. I mean, don't the get me wrong. I love wonderful. who they got. Yeah. She was fantastic. But oh my God, if Aaron could have got that role, that would yeah. be so cool. Okay, what's next? From Aaron Epstein. Hey guys, I just wanted to say that you are the best at what you do. Between, Thank you so much. Uh, between Marcus Brownlee for tech, Dr. Mike for medical, and John Campia for entertainment, I'm set. Is there any other YouTube channels I need to better my life? Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for that. I love Marquise Brownlee, MK2. <laughs> like, I, I'm a big, big, big uh, tech YouTuber. Most of the YouTube videos I watch, I admit, are about tech stuff because I'm a totally a tech gearhead. Um, and I'm always watching everything about the newest phones, the newest computers, the newest, newest tablets, tech devices, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I watch a lot of him, Unbox Therapy, uh, Linus, MacBreak, you know, things like that. Um, of course the, the, one of the OGs, uh, Leo Laporte. Um, but that's mostly the stuff I watch. Uh, I'll still watch, you know, um, what is the actual name of the series? Uh, uh, that they, did they put them on screen rant? It's the guy who's the pitch meetings, oh. the pitch meetings. I watch all the pitch meetings. That's that guy. Cause that's a Canadian guy, by the way, who does that good Canadian kid who makes those. Um, yeah, and then it's just a lot of tech stuff that I that I watch. Uh, Harris Heller is another one that I watch a lot of. Again, tech YouTubing kind of stuff. Um, yeah, do you have some YouTube channels that are big go tos for you, Chris? I watch like all cooking stuff. I do mm. not watch anything in this space <laughs> because this is what we do. So I don't watch any movie news basically. Um, but I do a lot of binging with Babish, Joshua Weissman. Um, I love First We Feast because of Hot Ones. Um, and then I'm a big Game Grumps fan. I love all and their stuff. And isn't there a food one that's like a something spoon? Um, it, it's one where it's just, all you see is the guy's hands with music playing. It's like- There's uh, a lot of channels uh, like that. Yeah, actually. where you don't, there's no dialogue, just music playing and you see the hands on the cook making the things oh. they're doing. And it's really addictive. I nice. can't remember the name of it, but it looks really good to me. All right, what's next? From Amin. So what are your box office predictions for the Taylor Swift movie? She just announced that it's also releasing worldwide on the same day. I think around 120 million opening weekend domestic. Grand total in the end, around 500 million. Am I crazy? Here's the thing. This Okay, I agree right around the 120. I think it has a shot of being the number one opening weekend of the year. I think 120, 130 is a pretty safe guess. I just don't know if it will have any legs. Like, I, I think the Swifties are all going to come out in the opening couple of days. Like, opening weekend is going to be huge. But I don't know if they're going to go back to watch the same concert video two, three, four times. And the Swifties who want to see it, I don't think they're waiting for the second weekend to see it. Right? With so different, With a different group of girls. Maybe. You know what? But Sometimes when that you first... got a party on Friday night, it's two, it's two, it's only two hours, whatever it is. It's two they... hours and 45 minutes. Oh. So Ray's not going. <laughs> so right there, that's disqualified Ray. If there was any hope of Ray going, he's not going. But even if they've got now. like a 50% drop, I mean, that's really <laughs> yeah. great for the second weekend. So, so uh, I don't know. Or, or maybe the fact that it did sell out so many screenings first weekend just made people get tickets for the second. I, I just don't know. So I'll stick my prediction right now just to opening weekend, which I think is going to be, I'm going to go more towards the 130 mark, but it may go way past that. That's the thing. But as far as overall, I I just don't have a guess at this point. Yeah, because it's the whole world. You don't know what else it's going to track. Yeah. Well, I don't even know how well it's going to do domestically after the first weekend. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll make like 250 million domestic. Again, the flash made $108 million domestically period. 
The Flash. So I expect Taylor Swift's concert movie will make more than The Flash, Flash's entire run domestically in its first weekend. But by how much? I don't know. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth. Aside from uh, hoping Paramount can get Jim Carrey back one more time as Eggman in Sonic <laughs> 3, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to handle Shadow the Hedgehog's story and who will play his only friend, Maria. I got to tell you, it. I think they're going to move on uh, from Jim Carrey's character oh, in the third film. Yeah. And you know what? It's okay. Jim Carrey was wonderful in the first two. Like, especially the first one. He he made that movie for me. I, I loved it. I loved Sonic. I loved, I keep forgetting the name of uh, Cyclops from X-Men. James uh, Marsden. James, James Marsden. Marsden, thank you. Uh, I love James Marsden and Sonic's relationship. It was adorable. But Jim Carrey, to me, really made that first one. And he was great in the second one. But as great as he was in the first and the second one, and I loved him in it, and I wouldn't object at all if he came back for the third, I think that character maybe played out. Yeah. Right? I, I think now, if we just go back to that character, it might feel a little worn a third time. So I think it's time for them to move in the direction of a diff- of a new villain, a new whatever, but uh, I am excited. I know, I, I, all the children in the theater, when we watched Sonic 2, all the children who knew who Shadow was, I had no idea who it was, but all the people saying, here, yeah, when Shadow came on, nobody yelled louder than Ray Ora. Yeah! when they showed Shadow. I That's didn't even right. know who it was. Yeah, I watched reactions to that like all the next day that we saw it. I just yeah. was on YouTube watching people react to it just because he's such like a... People are 50-50 on the Shadow character just because of his origin story and stuff like that. Yeah. I hope they adapt it well. They they don't have to go exactly by the video game, but, you know, make him like Knuckles. I mean, I, I never cared Knuckles for Knuckles. Knuckles was so funny. I never cared for Knuckles until the movie. Like, I, I thought he looked cool, but as in whatever, he's just like a Sonic clone to me. But they gave him his own personality. He's different. He's completely changed. I mean, like, as in I see him as a different character now. When yeah. I see, like, Idris a- Elba as the voice of Knuckles was so fantastic. Really loved it. And, oh. uh, I want to hear Chris. What What do you think of Shadow? Were you one of the haters? Because no. he did carry a gun, I think, in one of the games. <laughs> and that's why I liked him. He took care of business. No, I like Sonic. I like Shadow. I like Shadow. Yeah. I think they're all, I. There's not much that the Sonic games can do or the comics could do that would upset me. I really enjoy them. <laughs> all right. We got time for one more question here today. So what's our final question today? All right. Final question from Mighty Tank. What's the best twist you've seen in a movie? Obviously, Sixth Sense and Usual Suspects are great. Recently, the twist in Across the Spider-Verse at the end got me. And remember, if she doesn't find you handsome, she should at least find you handy. handy. That is a Canadian uh, icon, Red Green. (laughs) Red Green. There's this character, uh, it's a little bit of a side thing here. There's a character that used to be on a Canadian variety show called Smith and Smith that they then spend off to giving this character his own show uh, called Red Green. And he was like this outdoor woodsman, handyman sort of thing. And you know, he's just, uh, you know, just a guy next door, just talks like this. And, and his big catch saying is, and remember, fellas, if, you're, if the ladies don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. Hmm. And he, he wrote the book of duct tape. So Red Green would put out all these books, including like this, a million ways duct tape can save the day, <laughs> like everything. Yeah, it's a very, very funny character, but that's not what the topic of the question is. The topic of the question is best twist in a movie. I'll, I'll tell you this. To me, and there have been some iconic twists, whether it's Soylent Green, 
or whether it's Rosebud or whether it's uh, the ending of Planet of the Apes or whether it's obviously the ones you mentioned. Sixth Sense is probably one of the most pivotal, like, what a twist movie moves in, in history. Uh, the, the ending of The Usual Suspects. Usual Suspects, by the way, which is one of my top 10 all-time favorite films uh, with the uh, Kaiser Soze twist. But I'll tell you, the twists that I like most are the twists that don't happen at the end of the movie. I really love it when a great twist comes in about halfway to two-thirds through the movie that then completely alters the direction of the movie in a way you didn't think the movie was going to go. Because twists at the end are cool, but the twist happens and then the credits roll and the movie's over. That's literally kind of what happened with the Kaiser Soze thing in Usual Suspects. It's like, I'm not going to give the identity, although it's a 30-year-old movie. If you haven't seen it by now, you're not interested in it. But, you know, by the time they reveal it's Kaiser Soze, there's like literally one minute of screen time more and then the movie's over. So I really like movies that give you that little twist and change of perspective halfway or two-thirds of the movie so there's still like a good chunk of the movie left that deals with the repercussions of the twist. I got a most recent one that no one will save you on Hulu. If anyone who saw it, you know what I'm talking about. There you go. Yeah. Well, name the movie. No one, no, will, save no one will save you. Yeah. Oh, no one will save you. I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. you said no one will say it, but it's no. on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's oh, that's got a twist to yeah, it? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, it does. Okay, all right. I might have to check that Chris, out. Chris, you got any? No. Uh, if this movie isn't in my top three, it's definitely my top five, L.A. Confidential. Oh, that's oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that's especially it. because you see the twist, but then also you get to witness the, the you experience the character, Guy, Guy Pierce's character, experiencing the twist when he mm -hmm. says, I've got a lead on someone, someone named Rolo Tomasi. And you see Guy Pierce going from this like smile, like, what's up, Captain? To like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. A big special thank you to our YouTube channel members for being YouTube channel members and for sending in those topics for us to discuss. I want to thank everybody in the room. Ray Ora. Hell yeah. Jonathan Boyko. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> Chris Carr. Hi, guys. My name's John Campion. Until next time, my friends. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>